At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey, it's Jose Galison. This is No Way Jose. You can find me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel. You can also find me on all the major podcatchers and Odyssey as well. Today, my guest is Stratton Davis, uh, otherwise known as Stratty. Um, and this, to remind you guys of the current format, this right now is a live stream if you're watching the 10th, uh, but it'll only be available now. It'll be released later as an episode. I'll be, you know, as soon as it's done, I'll be putting it on private or unlisted or whatever, and I will release it later as a numbered episode. So if you want to be have access to that, you need to have, be a patron uh, if you want to have it in the meantime. And also uh, the patrons get uh, – they don't have to super chat if they don't want to. They get I give them a little code so they get preference. I actually am going to be having some changes to the patron. I want to – I lowered the tier, the lowest tier, to a two because I want to get more people on there. And I'd like to start probably having the live streams only be for the patrons. I think that might be a thing I do here soon. Uh, I just think make things a little bit easier, make my cl- channel a little bit cleaner. Uh, so I'm not having people get confused with the release of the live streams and all that stuff. Uh, and I'll just be nice to have you guys in on the conversation. And so this is going to be the format that I got right now. The current tiers, $2 is a lot. just gets you to ask us the live streams. And it also will get you access to the episodes in like the meantime, the episodes in the meantime, before when I drop them as a live stream and after I think Odyssey, I believe, because it like mirrors, I believe Odyssey will just like auto drop it on there anyway. So I don't even know. I'm sure I probably can mess with it and like make it so it doesn't do that. But I don't really care. If anything, that's an incentive. That's an additional incentive if you want to go to Odyssey. Like in the time, like be- before, like between live streams and when it goes as a numbered episode, it's up on Odyssey. So that's another incentive for you guys to go to Odyssey. Because I would definitely want you guys to start going to Odyssey as well because I haven't got dinged on this channel yet at all, which blows my mind. But like Tower Power has already gotten like multiple hits so i mean it won't be too long if it come from me so it'd be nice to build up that following on odyssey but anyways two dollars live stream access gets you the, the the episodes in between when it's live stream and it goes up as a numbered episode five dollars will get you the chat preference to where you know you get the code that uh you can drop in the chat and then you don't have to super chat if you don't want to uh ten dollars uh, and up obviously every one of these is additional so like hey, you get the previous benefits or whatever so ten dollars uh anyone who does ten dollars i promise uh i will either do an episode with you an episode with a guest of your choice or a topic of your choice uh within reason uh within reason because i mean obviously if it's something i have nothing at all to say on we'll try to figure something out but you get to essentially curate an episode and you know if that's with you on so ten dollars it gets you that 
20 bucks gets you the uh, gets you be a sponsor. I'll list you at the beginning of or, or end or end at the end of every episode. So for this one, my current uh, sponsors, I'm currently including $10 ones right now too. Until I get more of the sponsor level, it'll I'll include the $10 as well. But I have CD McRae of the Whiskey and Tea Podcast. She's one of the sponsors. Jermaine Vincent, who's a, a big roller in the podcast community. He's always dropping super chats. He's he's helping out a lot of people. Uh, Adam. Uh, and then and also uh, at Big Boghorn is his uh, Twitter handle. Um, and he has the No Time to Explain podcast. Uh, today, I'm going to be covering with Stratty. We're going to be talking about an article he did recently. Uh, I'm talking about the crumbling empire that is our empire, you know, America. Um, as always go check out top lobster, top lobster.com. Uh, use Jose at checkout for 10% off. Oh, I don't even think I gave them Patreon, uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash no way Jose 2020. I get when I gave you a whole big speech about the Patreon, but I didn't even say where to go get it. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and bring in Stratty. What's up, dude? What's up, Jose? How you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience? Let them know who you are, what you're about, uh, what things you're doing, shit like that. Yeah, my name, uh, my name is Stratton J. Davis. Uh, I've been involved in the Liberty Movement for about three years now. Got in because of Ron Paul, of course. Uh, originally from New Mexico, came to Texas because of work, and that's changed my views a whole, whole lot. And uh, actually, I wanted to say something because I, I know uh, we talked about in the pre-show, you've been my friend on Facebook for a while, so I I can tell you've noticed and seen a lot of the changes in my worldview and the things I say and promote now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've been in this for about three years and I've learned a lot and gotten uh, hooked on a lot real quick. So I have a lot to say. Uh, I'm excited to be on here to talk about those things. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on. And uh, yeah, no, definitely 2020 has been a, a shifting experience for a lot of people. So uh, me as well. I uh, definitely shifted my thinking up a lot, uh, made things a lot more imperative, which we'll kind of be touching on uh, a lot of that today. That definitely is a big key point uh, in, in your whole article you did. Uh, I don't know if you want to quickly give like a quick synopsis of your article for for everyone, uh, you know, here. And then we'll kind of then we'll start breaking it down. Yeah, sure. I figure that's best. Um, so I wrote this article and it was my longest uh, to date because. Whenever the whole uh, Afghanistan debacle was happening under Biden, I noticed, you know, a lot of shit that we got ourselves into uh, these last 20 years after 9-11 happened was flying back in our face. And um, I wanted to kind of put all that into perspective because I think most of the people in our camp, you know, uh, libertarians, post-libertarians, whatever you want to say, they get a lot of things right. But they don't, in my opinion, see the grand scheme of things. And uh, I wanted to kind of ride on those because it's not all just economic issues. It's not all just uh, foreign policy and stuff, even though I get into those things. It has a lot to do with our culture and how we treat our culture and how we act about our culture. And um, really, in my mind, I've always uh, I'm not a big Ayn Rand person, but I've always liked the idea of the virtue of selfishness. And so when I was writing this, I was kind of thinking, you know, uh, for our culture and as a country, uh, not speaking our government with the people that make up this country, we should have a bit of a virtue of selfishness about um, ourselves and how we act and what kind of things we allow into our society and how we allow our society to conduct itself. And you, I think you can still be a libertarian and say these things 
because we see these we see this kind of acting uh, exemplified by people like you know Lou Rockwell, Ron Paul. You mean you can name them, but um, we don't. I, in my opinion, you don't see many voices out there today talking about um, that specific point of view. So I wanted to kind of write something to spell out how the last twenty years have been and why we are here where we're at now from that point of view. And that's why I got into everything I did get into, which we'll talk about. Cool. Yeah, um, I, I did want to start off. You put in the article or one of the towards the beginning, uh, you kind of went into why I forget what the name of the book was. But in, you kind of broke down how in that book they gave five reasons why the Roman Empire collapsed. And you kind of paralleled them with what we're going through today. Yeah. And, and I by Edward Gibbon. Yeah. And uh, I, I figured we just I'd go point by point and kind of speak on each one of those for like so first you had increase in divorce which i'm actually going to tie into another point here in a minute but um yeah i know that definitely has a, a lot of effect the increase in divorce uh yeah i know you've been talking a lot about like culture so i don't know if you want to go on that uh don't, aren't, aren't you engaged or am i am i thinking of somebody else i soon to be engaged i hope but uh oh, okay no, maybe i'm thinking somebody girl, else girlfriend of a long time and yeah we'll i'll be marrying her for sure though but yeah i mean marriage and just relationships in, in general, I think um, aren't being taken as seriously these days. And uh, I've noticed this not just within my age group, but especially in the generation older than me. Um, I guess you'd say the generation that entertained my generation. Uh, they have this kind of hedonistic lifestyle that they glamorize in their pop culture. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, everyone is a little hedonistic at times and everyone is a little uh, uh, degenerate at times. Yes, but I don't think we should glorify that and make it, uh, you know. Not in my covenant community. community. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I think now we see a lot of that and they're trying to they're trying to pass it off as a positive thing rather than a, a thing that just kind of happens as you go through life. And a lot of that is going to is affecting, actually, the relationships we have. We see a lot of women having children uh, without a father around. We see a lot of men. They can't keep a relationship with a woman. And a lot of it has to do with their selfish tendencies uh, that was created because of the culture around them. And by those tendencies, I mean, like these men that uh, let's face it, a lot of men have these the nasty ass porn addictions. And they can't fall in love with the real woman because they watch these stupid ass scenes and they picture that this is what real women are like. And uh, that's kind of sad. It's unfortunate. And we see a lot of that pouring into the culture of yesterday and it's just going on and on and on. And it's like a big avalanche is going to happen because culture goes downstream. My generation and the generation younger than me, we're going to be worse off than the generation that's ahead of me, that grew up ahead of me. And like I just said, entertained my generation. And that's really scary, especially when you consider where we're at now. So in my mind, if we stepped back and we decided to reevaluate how we treat relationships in this day and age, and also the respect we have for ourselves when we try to initiate these relationships, um, we'd be a whole lot better off. Uh, the healthy individuals come from a background where they have healthy parents. How does healthy parents begin? 
Well, you have to have a healthy relationship. And in order to have a healthy relationship, you have to be a healthy person. So the increase in divorce rates doesn't just show that there's a huge effect on the marriages and relationships of today, but it shows a deeper meaning, which is that it affects us as individuals. When we uh, can't be clear minded enough or have our shit in order enough to maintain a relationship with someone that we, you know, claim to love so much. How are we going to be clear minded enough or principled enough or whatever we need to be to take care of ourselves and get our own shit done as individuals? So I think uh, that is a, it is a very big deal, um, because if you go back in time uh, throughout our history, sure, America has always been to a degree shit. But we've been a lot better off whenever parents stuck together and uh, it was like a nuclear family, you know, and we yeah, don't have no. that much these days. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, uh, I, I did want to touch on that. I was thinking, as you're saying it, like what role does a male, generally speaking, take on in a biological sense, you know, not even trying to be sexist, is generally to protect and provide. Um, that's generally the role. And what swoops in and tries to provide it and creates incentives to drive it away from that, you know, that's obviously would be the government with welfare, you know, child support, stuff like that. It kind of removes in some sense, the necessity of the male, um, which, I mean, I don't think that's actually true. I think in a, in a low, in a high time preference type, uh, you know, outlook, sure. But obviously if you have low time preference, you're going to see more benefits from keeping the family together. But, you know, obviously that's one of the issues and Hoppe goes in a lot and what the government does is it kind of, kind of raises everyone's time preference and causes more issues. But, I mean, really, to some extent, the only way we as libertarians can combat that is be aware of the trend and, you know, apply that low time preference and be and realize that, like, yeah, it sucks. But, you know, we you kind of just got to weather it out. Obviously, in a perfect free world, it wouldn't require as much. Uh, it wouldn't require as much hardship because there's some some trends that are bucking you, you know, pushing creating the incentives to drive you one way. And it is hard to be that force pushing against incentives. But. I mean, to some extent, you know, it, it does pay off and it creates its own incentives in a way. And the more people do it, the more the easier it becomes and the more it pushes the incentives the other way. So, you know, one, one second dog got inside. <laughs> no, I got you. Sorry about that. No, no, but um, good. going off what you're saying there, no, I mean, that is a great point. And the, the, there's a big incentive of just being disciplined, just, just being a disciplined individual and having your shit in order and knowing what your priorities are. A lot of people, like I'm, I'm going to say this a lot, a lot of people just don't have that in mind these days. And that's why when the shit does finally hit the fan, and it will very soon, uh, a lot of people aren't going to be in a very good place. Yeah, no, there definitely is. I mean, I know it may seem like I was getting at with a high time preference. It may seem like it's nice for now. You know, you got that government money come in. You don't have to deal with that guy that, you know, you let come in you and is kind of an asshole. But it's like, you know, you're kind of creating these decisions that lead to certain yes. things. And had you gone a different path, you know, say maybe picked a better man or even then 
make do with what you got and not rely on the government, you know, you're kind of creating this stable structure with which to weather the storm that may be this coming collapse. So, you know, well, and th that's exactly why I wanted to highlight the um, a collapse that happened in history is because people these days are just so short sighted with their vision and how they see things and especially the world around them. If we looked at the world around us in the context of history, we'd be a lot better off uh, and we know what to do and how to act. And just, I think, again, though, that's a reason why education has made us ignorant. They don't want us to act on these things. They don't want us to do anything about it. And in order for them to make that happen, we can't know our history. Yeah. I do want to say, uh, for those who aren't aware, I have been married for almost 10 years and I have two kids uh, and uh, both they're both older uh, it is a pain in the ass at times, uh, but it definitely is great. So I, just, I do, you know, especially in a long relationship, you're going to have the ups and the downs. So, and nothing's perfect. Uh, anyone who tells you otherwise is a fucking liar. So, you know, I, I'm just, so for everyone out there, just like, it's a matter of not just dumping things when things get hard or, I mean, you know, to some extent, it's also the Louis CK joke uh, where he goes, uh, he goes, when I first got married, I go, oh, shit, I, I can I can never leave. And he goes, and then I had kids, and I go, fuck, I could have left. <laughs> so it's kind of that as well. You know, also when you have kids, it completely changes the scenario. So, like, I mean, you know, bear that in mind whenever you decide to do that. You know, you know obviously marriage and obviously children. But, you know, there definitely are benefits to sticking it out. You know, it's good to have, good to have someone that's there for you in that way, you know, so – especially for someone like me, who's a, a little bit, uh, a little bit of not a social person. <laughs> and one, one more thing I want to say before we move on about on this subject specifically is like, you know, whatever happened to you uh, that your parents did to you is not your fault. But if you decide to go out there and create a child, it's not their fault. How you act as a parent, you need to be a good parent. You do owe that child. You, uh, you owe a big responsibility to that child that you create. And I hate any of that bullshit that people put out there that says you don't. It's bullshit. It's not a child's fault that they were created, but they were blessed with life. And you better fucking honor that. That's just that's not my opinion. That's what's right. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and all right. On to the next one. Uh, we're talking about increase in taxation. That was the other one, which I mean, we hear that. and I feel like the normal person goes, what? I mean, our taxes haven't really gone up. They're about the same. Maybe down is up. Some blues up and others. But it's like, you know, the 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 travesty of the federal reserve is they tax you but you don't fucking know it uh unless you know it and then you're yep. like fuck and then you're the hidden tax of inflation exactly uh which were you know the qe in the past like really for a fucking while um has been retarded and it gets more and more retarded as time goes on um god it was like it's well over six trillion in the past few years and like I don't know. I, I know you broke down the numbers in it, but it, it, it's it's just it's to the point where you don't even like norm break down the numbers anymore because you're like this is just we're fucked. <laughs> well, and, and something interesting I really learned uh, recently, actually after I wrote that article, was I read this new book, um, The Great Depression by the New Great Depression by Jim Rickards. And what's funny is during that period of quantitative easing and all the other stupid solutions the Fed tried to um, implement to make things better is that um you know there were some real operations the fed could have taken on to at least lessen the blow and actually make things better um and not 
put us in the situation that we're in now. But they didn't do those things. Instead, they did quantitative easing and they did all the other stupid solutions. There's too many to name and get into, but all said and done, it's gotten us to where we're at now. So it's kind of it makes you think, uh, what is the whole point behind this increase in taxation? They are our world's not getting better. Uh, if, look, take a look outside. I mean, I've been living, I've been alive since 2000. I've grown up and watched, uh, you know, post 9-11 America. Nothing has ever gotten better as I've gotten older. And yet taxes have increased in all sorts of ways. And they've gone to these social programs and whatnot that claim that they're going to make society better. But nothing's gotten better. So it really makes you think, what are these taxes being used for? Well, anyone who, again, knows their history and actually reads this stuff, they'll know that these taxes are being used to take away their freedoms, uh, make them more complacent and more compliant for whatever the state wants to do to them or use them for. And uh, also, these taxes are just being used to make the government more powerful. The debt does not matter to the government as long as they can tax us and keep creating this money. And with the government's agenda that I believe is uh, eventually going to be a new world order, one world government, Again, the debt doesn't matter to them. But if they can stay rich off our backs, they're going to be powerful. Take a look around the world. Which governments uh, don't have that much control on their people, no matter how tyrannical the media tries to make them look? It's the poor governments. Uh, you know, we see people all the time escaping to these quote-unquote socialist countries and living a more free life than we are. And why is that? It's because their government is poor. So... If we become more smart about taxes in general and realize the bigger picture, maybe we can figure out some solutions, some solutions to take away from that power that they have, that they gain through taxation. Yeah. No, I did want to, just one thing you said there just kind of sparked a thought. You said one world order. And I agree. I do think there is going to be one way or another there. I mean, I think we already kind of, to some extent, have one. Uh, yeah. This is not it's not in your face about it. it's becoming more and more in your face. But I think we're going to see that in the future. But like, I also think with that, there's the yin and the yang. I think there also will be the opposite. I think uh, I, I had another point I want to get up. But yeah, I do think as technology gets better, as as, you know, essentially as we improve, you know that also gives the 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 powers that be tools with with which to use to increase their own power. But on the other end, there also be uh, opens avenues for us, you know, more liberty minded people. But I, do, it's kind of this weird thing where uh, we're, we'll kind of have both to some extent. Like I don't know how we'll see that. You know whether that's um my thought of the future. If I had to guess, would be like we'll see more like super authoritarian city states. And then, you know, more more areas out to the outskirts and like rural ish type areas are going to be pretty much left the fuck alone. Well, uh, and that's kind of what I see if I had well, to gas out my ass. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I actually I agree because what you're kind of explaining there to me is the double side, the double edged sword of technology and the yeah. rise in it. A good thing about it is, like you just said, it's gave uh, rise in decentralized networks such as the one I, uh, you could argue that me and you are involved in with all our Liberty friends and how we've met and we communicate with one another and share all these sources of info and all these ideas. That's a great wealth of knowledge and resources uh, for people that are involved in our circles. And it's given rise to other circles just as well. Now, the 
the bad the bad edge of that sword that will come back and cut us is a lot of people don't see this either is technology is making us soulless i i wrote another article about uh this actually this specific subject uh whenever big tech was giving its rise back in 2020 around october and uh really yeah sure big tech is censoring us and big tech is doing this and that to take away our power on the internet but Instead of us complaining and bitching about that, which isn't going to do anything in the long run, they control the Internet, whether you like it or not. They do. Um, we should be going into our communities and interacting with real life shit more and more and doing real life things, making friends, uh, building relationships within our communities, making our family relationships stronger. Just those kinds of things, going into your local churches, going in to, you know, support your local sports teams, things like that, building trust within your communities. That's going to pay off in the long run. The people that know you in real life and interact with you in real life will listen to you. And those and the ideas that you put in their mind, they will grow and they will spread. And, you know, you get people that deny this all the time, but I've had friends who four years ago, in, or three years ago when I first got into this, I started talking to them about these things and they went from being uh, big time, you know, liberal Democrat types to now they're on my side. You know, they may not exactly be a right winger, but hell, they know this COVID is fake and they know all that stuff and they don't have to read all the books and watch the news to know it. They just have to have a good intuition and common sense, which most people don't have that these days and technology is killing that. Uh, and another thing I want to I want to uh, bring up about that, too, is technology makes us less smart because I know a lot of people have talked about this, but it does it does mess with our brains that we have this instant info at our fingertips. If you just look something up and get the answer, you're not going to retain that. Whereas if you read a book um, and you take notes and write about it and all that, you'll know about it. You can talk about it and you'll understand that subject. And you can go and educate others on that subject, even if you're not a genius about it. And that is we're losing that these days. And that's why the idiots are taking over. Yeah. I, I, you know, funny thing is both those things you brought up, I would totally apply the same exact concept I brought up to like libertarianism and authoritarianism in regards to like, you know, the future or, you know, technology and how it enables, like it allows pathways for freedom and for uh, authoritarianism. I would apply the same thing for both of those, like intelligence and then like, you know, obviously social uh, interactions. Cause I do think, you know, obviously, you know, the, the technology uh, can can obviously create a situation in which it makes you less involved in people in the real world and, and, and makes your life worse. But on the other hand, it also can be a tool to allow you to meet up with like-minded people and meet up in real life and stuff like that. Like I've been to a few Liberty events, which I never would have done if it hadn't been for stuff like this. And then like on the intelligence thing, yeah, it totally can make people dumber. You look like shit like TikTok, uh, all this fucking retarded shit like this, but the, what I use technology mostly for is like audiobooks and fucking podcasts and doing stuff like this. So it, there is obviously opens avenues in a lot of ways. I'm a manual laborer. Uh, I literally will have my headphones in listening to audiobooks. Like I just knocked out the first Dune book in like uh, two or three days, like just recently, just because I just thought it was interesting. And I don't even read that much fiction. But yeah, no, I like I. I pretty much, and if I'm not doing audiobooks, I'm reading, reading. So, I mean, it's all just about how you use it. And that's what I'm kind of getting with a bifurcation, which stuff like this kind of creates this 
pushing to the poles, like from one end to the other. And I'm actually completely fine with that because it kind of, it kind of creates a clear delineation of teams. Uh, and I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, so I brought up my situ- like example of, you know, more authoritarianism and more freedom existing in the same place. This like it, not the same place physically, but in the same, you know, setting, whether it be like, I talked about, like, we're going to see more authoritarianism, like maybe shitty city States with like freedom on the outskirts. I'm fine with that because it's kind of the more of a, uh, clear delineation between the two you create, the more of a, the more of it's like you kind of are going to it willingly. So in a weird way, it almost becomes this, uh, uh, well, it's, I mean, I guess it's kind of almost like a cult, you know, and where it's like you kind of, in some sense, bought into this idea and you're in it and you kind of had the opportunity to get out. You kind of can, if you don't, that's on you. Um, but yeah. Oh, I did want to bring up two earlier. I was mentioning the new world order, new world order. I wanted to mention, I remember the point I wanted to make. I want to make, that's been the entire story of American history or not yes. American history, but of world history for forever is some person gets power, wants to further his power. Uh, and you know, eventually gets to a point where he overexerts himself, falls apart. And then, you know, that repeats, it's just cyclical. It's, that's all yes. it is. It's the story of human history and it gets, it's, it's weirdly becoming as time goes on. It's, it seems to be the story I'm seeing is, they get better every time, but on the inverse, the Liberty people get better every time as well. If that makes sense uh, in a weird way. So I, I see, I see in a sense, both existing, I guess it's a over millennia. We're seeing a pushing to the polls, you know, like we're uh, of authoritarianism and libertarianism or whatever thing you're saying we're getting at. So no, you're, you're exactly right. And actually um, one book I'd recommend that uh, people can read, to see about um, how the New World Order has been around throughout American history and how exactly Jose is correct in what he's saying is the unseen hand by A. Ralph Epperson. Um, not everything in there I would say I agree with. He has one chapter on the Civil War that I think is pretty stupid. But for the most part, I think he gets things right, and he uses uh, a lot of sources to back up what he's saying. But, um, no, it – the new world order exists whether you like it or not and people will think you're crazy for going out there and saying it but look at the council on foreign relations look at the trilateral commission look at the Bilderbergers. look at the carlisle group look at skull and bones look at all these organizations why do they exist why is it that they can be so secret and then if we question them uh we're treated like the idiots that's a little, that's weird. Why do they control the narratives? Why do they get their own publications? Why do they uh, have people in every single corner of the government? Why do they have people inside every single presidential administration? I mean, I can keep going on and on with these questions, but. I was listening to Spooner's, the audiobook of No Treason with Spooner again recently. I've read it multiple times and I've listened to the audiobook a few times, but I just listened to it again the other day. Um, and at the very end, the. Uh, God, who are the fucking oil barons at that time? I forget. Uh, not the Rockefellers, the fucking... Um, I'll think of it later. But he, he was bitching about the international money lenders at, at that point in time. Yep. Like, this is... And he even was saying at that time, like, these are the hands behind governments. Like, these government actors, all they're doing is what they need to do to maintain that money coming in. Yep. And these actors, these international lenders, like, 
he kind of goes into how they're the biggest pieces of shit of all because they know what they're doing. They know what's up. They they didn't get hoodwinked into this. They're doing it because they have the most financially to gain from it because they know when they lend to a fucking government, they're going to be able to get higher interest rates and they're more likely, you know, they, they're more able to hold their, their feet to the fire and they, they're probably got, you know, political you know, hookups all over the world. So it's like these people wouldn't want to fuck them over anyways. That's how you end up in a ditch. <laughs> like, you know, uh, I, so I, I don't know. It, it was kind of wild. They opened my eyes, listen to that and be like, because I, I completely forgot about it. the last little bit of no treason is super fucking based. And like, he goes into all that and he's like, basically like, these are the issue, these people. And he even said some shit like they should be strung up or some shit <laughs> more than any other government official. <laughs> Well, no, he's exactly right on that. And one of the bigger issues that comes from all of this, the international money lending and everything like that is it doesn't just happen in America. It happens all over the world. The Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, that's what I mean. All those families and these groups, the Council on Foreign Relations and especially the UN, they all answer to the UN. They have connections wide and deep in every single big name government you see, especially in the U.N. Um, There's all these connections and they're not just coincidences. Nothing is a coincidence. So, I mean, people need to take a bigger look at those things because it will spell out everything that is going on right now. There, it just it just runs deep, and I mean, we can keep going on about it and talk about specific things, but we'll be here for hours. Yeah, I know. Uh, let's move to the next point: the drive for pleasure, which I weirdly found borderline synonymous with the divorce one, because the instant place my head went into was like testosterone run rampant, because that's kind of in some senses what testosterone is. That's uh, yes. and it's not to say testosterone's bad, like how, but it's it. To be like real, like real quick, to be dirty for a second, like how a man just wants to go out and fuck everything. Yeah, fucking kill. That's what yeah. men are. <laughs> That's what we are at our core. Fucking kill. <laughs> and I think, but I think you know, in order to keep a, and you're right, that is right. I've explained that to lots of people, and it shouldn't be such a controversial idea. But what is wrong with it is the idea that we shouldn't tame that for yeah. society and civilization and our people whoever your people may be it could be your loved ones your friends uh your political group your race your religion your nationality whatever but you owe something to what you love and you have and in my opinion that's you have to tame yourself um and i think if you can't do that you're a pussy man <laughs> you know <laughs> like, yeah no i mean you're weak this is born out of this fake machismo, machismo or whatever, but it's like the true machismo is the one who doesn't say shit. And then like, then when it comes to be about it, he's, he's going to fuck you up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, or maybe not even that specific situation. Like there, the re- someone who the real man doesn't have to tell other people he's a real man. Like yeah. it's just known. Like, and it's not even a matter of like who can kick whose ass or whatever. It's just a matter of it's like when you know it, when you got it, you see it. And it's kind of taking those male urges, those male feelings and controlling them and taming it might not be the wrong right way to put it because taming it almost gives it this like you're you're like gelded or some shit like you're fucking like like you're lesser than. But no, like if anything, it makes you more than because you're able to take this strong force that is man 
and control it to your whims. Like, you're not going to be dominated by it. You're not going to let these fucking feelings control you because you're not a little bitch. Yep. <laughs> like, that's really what it is, you know? And, uh, you know, people like to say all the time that we're – what's funny is it's actually usually the, the leftist crowd. They like to say we're animalistic and we're just like animals. And to a degree – they are right, but also if they believe that, then let's step back and take an analysis of dogs specifically. Who barks the most? The chihuahuas. And who takes them seriously? No one. And then who are the most calm, baddest motherfuckers? German shepherds. Or they're up there at least. Yeah, massive. They'll fuck they you up. On a fucking day. <laughs> yeah, they'll fuck a human up yeah. too, though. And yeah. so I we have to act like that. We have to realize that in ourselves. And fucking be about it if we're gonna hold if we're gonna keep together what we care about. Yeah. No, I had a 140 pound mastiff as long as he died like a few years ago. His name was Odin. Uh, we, we loved him, but that motherfucker, That's all badass. he did, all he ever did, like like even when he was younger and like uh, kind of more like pup age, because we got him when he was probably like two or three. But all he ever fucking did, he never really wanted to like go and play or anything. Like he'd play with you for like a minute and they'd be like, dude, I need to lay around. Like it's all he did. But like, yep. I swear to God, if anything ever, if any shit ever popped off, he was like, what? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> growing up, my family had a dog just like that too. And it was a black lab named Midnight. Motherfucker was always calm, never barking, never doing nothing. He wouldn't ever play. He was always laying on his ass, just chilling. But yeah, if shit was ever going on, he was growling in your face, barking, biting motherfuckers. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Let's. Or actually, I wanted to kind of tie this into as well that when I saw the uh, drive for pleasure, I kind of immediately thought the inverse as well, which is to be the aversion to discomfort, and that kind of directly applies to our current situation with the whole COVID stuff. When it's like, that's really, if you think about it, what all this is—a trying to flee from, you know, discomfort. And don't, and, and I'm just not to trivialize i know in some cases for some people this is actually a legitimate issue but if you're fucking 25 years old and you're like claiming you know so you know we need to fuck the young need to get vaccinated or this or that and like th there is some extent where it's like all right like i don't you're trying to def to to defy that which is man like i, I don't know what to tell you i'm sorry you're gonna fucking get sick like you're a human being like, yes, we can make measures to be able to try to protect the weak, whatever. But, you know, to some extent, you got to fucking be a man. And like, and I'll say it's like for me, I was trying to get COVID this whole fucking time. Same. Like I, I got COVID like I think a few months ago. And then like it was kind of like at that point, it was kind of like, cool. Like now kind of like people no longer care, but also still kind of care. Like if that makes sense. Like so it wasn't even that big of a deal. It's like I was past all the annoying like or not all the annoying shit, the different annoying shit to where it would have been better to have already been able to have it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but whatever, but yeah, no, I mean, I like, but yeah, obviously if I was in a different situation, that wouldn't be the case, but it, it's just weird how, if you look at the statistics of this thing and then you look at the people who are pushing, you know what, it doesn't match up. So it's like, to some extent, there are some people who are just, they're adverse to it. They're just, they, they don't want to experience any discomfort. They have this magical utopian idea that we can somehow not experience discomfort. And it's like, we're not dealing in even, even as ANCAPs, like, I don't know if you're an ANCAP, I'm assuming you are. We're, I don't deal. I don't have any sort of utopian ideal for the, the world. I think there's a way that things can get better and they will increasingly get better. We'll never reach a utopia. That's yeah. just silliness. And the same idea applies with shit like sickness. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Good. going back to this, I mean, it's just, again, 
people were pussies. They like that. The, a lot of guys, I mean, guys that I was once friends with and I'm not friends with anymore because of this shit, they welcomed these lockdowns. They welcomed this because they love the idea of being basically subsidized to sit on their ass all day uh, and, you know, do nothing. And whereas, like, um, people like you and I and others, whenever these lockdowns first started, we took it upon ourselves to learn more, read more, work out, do stuff like that, just be a better person. The majority of people uh, in this country took that as an opportunity to binge watch their shows that they haven't gotten to see and uh, bake new stuff and Oh boy, you know, all the stuff that doesn't really mean nothing at the end of the day or stuff that we can't do anything with. So, yeah, I mean, one, yeah, people are just pussies and they want to be pussies and have everything handed to them and things be easy. The other side of that is some people are just plain evil. There are people that love the fact that you and I were at one point forced into our houses and they love that we're being threatened with the vaccine mandates and all that and it's really sick is what it is and again that has a lot to do with our culture politics has polarized america so much that we treat uh red and blue like uh, bloods and crips rather than uh hey man i have my set of opinions and you have your set of opinions let's agree to disagree and realize the freedoms we can all enjoy well at one point america was about that and that was great we're way past that point yeah. Uh, your next point was losing faith. Uh, and I actually, I mean, it's well known I'm an atheist. I don't believe in any of that. I have my reasons. I don't have any hate against it. I mean, I'm not going to go into that deeply, but I actually entirely agree. Um, I mean, I'm of the opinion, ideally, I, I, I think in my personal opinion is that like religion is illogical, but I also see the benefits of it. And like, how do I put it? I get how people, you know, lose faith and go one way or the other. So I, if it's like, I, I don't think people can naturally, I mean, not, not people, but in at this current point in time, the populace at large being the fucking retards they are, I don't think they're able to like, essentially what religion is in my head is a kind of guidebook on like things roughly to do or not to do. And, you know, like it kind of gives you a, a quick, a quick and fast uh, sort of an easy to digest kind of, cause I mean, most people don't even really understand their scripture or religion or whatever that well, uh, a way of how to live your life. And most people aren't like us. Most people, I know, I know you're obviously religious. I would assume, you know, judging by the article, but even if you weren't, I mean, we could have the same conclusion or, or, or just even, I guess, like even that aside, me and you read a bunch, look into philosophy, stuff like that. I have come to what I believe to be a fairly rational understanding of like a worldview, or I mean, obviously, and, and whenever I have something that's inconsistent, it bugs me and I try to fix it. Whereas most people don't have that. So they need, because they don't give a shit. They just, and I, I get it. So it's easier just to have this thing that's like, hey, here's this thing that provides you community. You come together maybe once a week, maybe less, depending on how good you are in doing it. And here's our rough rules to live by. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, for me as an atheist, like, I get not everyone's going to be devouring all the books that I do, you know, trying to figure out how do I make 
my view of there not being a God or possibly most likely not being a God comport to reality and how do my morals can like, how do I apply that morale? Like morally, most people don't think like that. <laughs> so when they yeah. go, I don't think there's a God, then they just, they don't really think deeply about it and they go one way or the other and they just go with the wind and they fall in with some of the shitty, like, I don't know. The atheist community is awful. Like it just yeah. really is. They're the most <laughs> annoying. I, I mean, I'm glad you're a cool atheist because I hate most atheists. They're probably my least favorite group of people. Um, I, but I'll, I'll say this. Um, I like I, I think you make a great point. And I, I think there's nothing wrong with your view. I, I actually at one point probably would have shared your view um, that, you know, these religious texts are just good uh, guidelines to follow and such. Um, but then, you know. I got, By I the way, I'm step. saying I'm meaning like practically speaking how it works for most people because most yeah. people don't deeply. I get. Uh, I'm not trying to get into religion versus atheist argument, but I yeah, get yeah, yeah. some people deeply look into this stuff and deeply, you know, weigh the philosophy and blah 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 blah. Like, but most people, it's a quick and fast guidebook of. But go on, yeah, I think yeah. you get what I'm getting at. So make yeah, sure I, I know. Well, I know what you're getting at, but like. One thing I was going to say is I think one, I think one belief, I think one reason why um, a lot of people think the belief in religion, any religion is illogical and such um, rather than it being in, in for in, intelligent reasons or whatever. I think most of it happens to just do with religious people, specifically Christians are bullied these days for almost absolutely no reason at all. Like, I get it. Like people can have their disagreements with the Christian religion. And there have been some Christians that have made mistakes in history. I, you can say the same about any other religion, but if I go out there and I say it, Oh boy, I, I get roasted at the stake. But then I, I, if I wanted to go out and say the same things about Christians, Oh, then that's fine. So I think a lot of the attacks and the hatred and all that, and whether it be uh, from the most mild uh, attacks to the most heinous attacks, they are all birthed uh, these days, in my opinion, from a, um, a viewpoint that is just pure hatred and bullying of Christians. And I think we see that running rampant, especially in today's culture. I mean, look, the Travis Scott thing that happened. I don't think Travis Scott is a Satanist. I don't think he has any uh, intention or care to push that kind of message. But the people that control him definitely do. And there's a reason why. It's because they want to demoralize us. They want to make us, they want to keep us as individuals, but they want to collectivize us in the sense that we're soulless and have nothing that we want to live and fight for on our own. And that's what the absence of religion does to uh, society. And it's, you know, right now Christians are being bullied. I already have, you know, in these last 20 years, we've been seeing it happen with Muslims. You know, I have my disagreements with the Islamic faith, but those are the people of the Eastern world. You know, that's half our world. Um, and there's some things about the Eastern world I like and enjoy, and I think they are doing things good on their own, and they should be allowed to do that. Why are we demoralizing them for it and bullying them for it? And that, again, we'll get into that really primarily with foreign policy, but sticking to religion, um, there's a there's a lot there's a deep reason why religion is being attacked and why atheism and uh, agnostic beliefs are being encouraged, 
And it's because they want people to be more and more soulless. And I'm not saying, you know, that uh, because you're an atheist, you're soulless. Obviously, you're not. You understand the value behind I don't families. think I'm a soul, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you do. And, uh, but you understand, like, the value behind family and culture yeah. and everything like that. So you're just a smart individual. Yeah. I think religion gives us a bedrock for society where even the dumbest of people can walk into a church and, you know, read the Lord. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Words, word, hear it or whatever, and come out of it with a sense of duty to their civilization, the people around them. And that sense of duty doesn't have to be imposed on them by some law, but rather, a, I guess, supernatural feeling of... Uh, just you know his greatness and i and that's just being it's being laughed at these days and it's disgusting and no, it's gonna have a lot of consequences th there's a lot to say with the because it really a lot of its community is a big part of it with the, with the church and it really is hard and i know i i mean that's not the only good thing about religion i kind of already went into how you know it's kind of a pre-packaged ideology essentially an easy to digest ideology uh, at least to get the basics of it. Uh, but oh, I lost my whole fucking point. It was a move to foreign policy. I had a point. I completely blanked out. I drank too You're much. You're good, man. If it comes back to you, just say it. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> yeah, no, let's uh, let's move into foreign policy because we were talking about how like uh, foreign policy uh, is kind of a uh, fucking like is actually that was the last point of the one of the last things that like uh, really denotes a failing empire, which I mean, shit, we've seen it, I mean, not in our lifetime, but, you know, a little bit before with, like, the fall of the Soviets. Like, they got in that same bind that we're basically going to into where they overburned themselves in literally the Middle East. And then, I mean, luckily, or not luckily, but they were obviously didn't have as strong of an economic backbone as we did since they were literal fucking communists. Like, obviously, there's a case to be made that we're communist or socialist to some extent and sure, whatever. But they were literal communists so their economy was already pretty fucked and then they're like oh let's go fucking wage war in the middle east yeah it took a lot less time for their shit to fall apart we're in the basically the same scenario with but starting off with a you know i mean i guess i can't think of a time frame you know prior to the 70s or whatever the hell when the federal reserve went to place we had a, essentially a fucking a, a roughly free market to some extent uh capitalism and obviously had a much better backbone. And we're doing the same mistake, but we were able to do a lot longer, as you can see with our 20 years in Afghanistan. So, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, obviously we we're bleeding ourselves dry of money and in the process creating a more authoritarian uh, precedent because we're setting precedents when we do all this shit overseas. We go, oh, this is acceptable. You know, for some, like we don't ever think of it, oh, it's only acceptable because it's over there. It's like, no, we're it, you're kind of to some extent letting them sneak their foot in the door a little bit to like, well, this is kind of acceptable, right? This is okay. As long as it's somebody that you don't like, right? Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. You know, so we're kind of easing our way over there. Also, a lot of the rules that they got in place 
Like I'm pretty sure I'm kind of talking my ass a little bit, but I know the, uh, some of the January six people, they used, uh, stuff that was from the Patriot act and stuff. So it's oh, like, yeah, I yeah. mean, fucking to, to do what they're doing to them. So it's like, I mean, it's like, I don't know if I can tell you it's, it's, it's coming back home and yep. No, I, it is. Yeah. And, um, to go, going back to the whole, you know, the new world order exists thing. Let me, let me, let me put out this theory to you. America was subsidizing and working with the Soviet Union more than we were at uh, war with it during the Cold War. Like, yes, we had our problems and there were the political affairs and such, but um, we, we uh, paid for much of their resources they used in Vietnam. Um, it, it fucking, uh, you know, I can't give you the exact details right now, but uh, FDR's son in 1980 wrote a novel in which he talks about... Um, FDR just basically giving the bomb to the Soviets rather than the Rosenbaums, the spies getting the information themselves. And there's an account that a soldier back in 1943 gives about being on an airstrip and there was some cargo that was going to the Soviets. Well, he went and checked and he looked in the cargo. He saw something he'd never recognized in his life. Sure enough, uh, two years later, after the bomb was dropped, he's, he's looking at the schematics in the papers. Oh, he recognizes it. That was what he saw in 1943 on some airstrip in a in a cargo box that was supposed to be sent to the Soviets. And you can read about that again in A. Ralph Epperson's The Unseen Hand. But this just goes to show that we were working hand in hand with the Soviets more than we were um, at their necks. And uh, leads me to believe, well, when the Soviet Union ended in 1991... We didn't do what we did to the Nazis in 1945, which was put them on the Nuremberg trials and, you know, charge them for war crimes, which we should have. Um, these Soviets were they were guilty of just as much as those Nazis were. What did we do instead? We let the Soviet sleeper, sleeper agents hang around in their governments and their respective governments and their respective countries in Eastern Europe after the fall of the Soviet Union. Why, why did we do that? Well, we did that so that the communists would still have control over there in Eastern Europe, while it looks like um, there's no communist threat at all. And what happened after that? The EU. And uh, the EU connects pretty much all of Europe to one another. And now the EU wants uh, North American EU to basically happen. And that was what NAFTA was supposed to be. Um, so... Our foreign policy, in my opinion, after the fall of the Soviet Union, when we went into the Middle East, was we were just trying to finish the job of the Soviets, which was to take away, destroy their culture in the Middle East, take away their religion, uh, take away their way of life and help them blend in more to our, not my, of course, not me or you's way of life, but the new world order's way of life so that they can make one world government an even bigger possibility. And it's been working. Um, we see all kinds of crap seeping into the Middle East now, and we see a lot of crap coming out of the Middle East into our countries, uh, not just in America, but all over Western Europe. And it's having detrimental negative effects. Um, I used to be very pro-immigration, pro-open borders. Um, I'm sure actually you you witnessed me making arguments before in favor of open borders. I've totally flipped the script on that. I'm for closed borders now, um, and I eventually would like to one day see open borders or at least private borders. 
But my argument is if we want an ANCAP society, we have to let the dominoes fall. And one of the last dominoes that should fall is borders because we have to worry about our people here. We have to worry about our problems and fix our culture. When we let people come in here from wherever, the problems get worse. Um, they multiply by a lot and our culture is confused. And that's just not something we can take on right now, but we already are. And a lot of it is happening because of our foreign policy. It's blowback. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of ways blowback manifests itself. But one way it has happened is, well, we've been bombing third world countries for the last th uh, 20 years at a rate that has never been matched in history, I would argue. And now the third world is coming over to the Western world or our country specifically at a rate that, again, has never been matched before. Um, and it sucks, but it's the truth. And we have to do something about this problem. Hey, I actually just saw the uh, closed open border, you know, libertarian thing just the other day. Uh, I don't know if oh, yeah. you saw that Pete Butt stuff the other day. He fucking... Uh, he 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 said something about the racist roads and everyone gave him shit you know because he's talking about like certain overpasses where apparently it's actually legit uh, i don't know where it's at exactly but in certain areas again? i don't i don't know about this oh i guess you're not you said before you're not as uh, involved online but all right no. pete Buttigieg or whatever the fuck or, or i yeah, guess yeah. i don't remember what I his, pete his title stuff. yeah i don't know what his title is specifically but something to do with like infrastructure and shit and he was talking about how, like, we need to have equity more in mind or racial, whatever the fuck, you know, go communist gobbledygook, but uh, involved, you know, in our infrastructure. And he was, he kind of brought up, everyone made fun of him for saying he had racist roads. Uh, and he was talking about, like, overpasses that were too low, you know, and he didn't really explain it well. Apparently, that's actually legit. Like, in certain areas, you know, they designed the cities in earlier times. I don't remember specifically where he was talking about with this one, but... They designed the overpasses in certain areas to be so low that buses can't pass through, which who uses buses? The poor. Yeah. Uh, and so I just I completely point out like there we just solved the open border issue, you know, open closed border issue. You know, Hoppe would be so proud. Just make the overpasses low enough that the poors can't get in. <laughs> yeah. that, is a, so. that is a really smart workaround <laughs> of the idea. Problem is, we all have to start making a whole lot more money. I don't know if we're smart enough to do that. Hey, we're on the poor side. I don't know what you're yeah, telling exactly. You. We're the ones using the buses right now, buddy. <laughs> and they're the short ones. <laughs> yeah, I, well, short ones can get through, so I think I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> then we're fine. We're stupid yeah. enough to make things happen. Yeah. We're the uh, idiots uh, taking over. All right, the next part of your article goes into like what to do, and uh, I agreed yeah. pretty heavily with most of this. Uh, maybe one I would maybe uh, I I agree, but I also disagree in another sense. Uh, all right, let's go. The first one you brought, basically, I, I sum this up as voting with your dollar. It's like supporting each other, the counter economy, you know, crypto, gold, like that type of stuff. And I know a lot of people have been spurning that shit and being like, oh, we need to do some like borderline unlibertarian shit. And it's like, why? Like, you don't just uplift those that are doing what you want to do and don't do the ones that don't. I know, yeah. I know it sounds stupidly simple and it's not always that easy. And this is kind of, I really think even if you don't want to be a fucking agorist, everyone should read uh, Conkin's books. Yeah. It's only like two books. You could read them in like both of them like a weekend. Yep. They're super easy. They go into like it literally. And it's and like everyone tries to make it out like he's saying like some magical binary. No, he's literally saying where you can do it. I get it. Not everyone's, you know, rich enough or has enough time to go always go to the local store or, you know, well, where can I buy my milk from? Oh, I could go to the farm or this. Is that. I know not everyone works like that. 
but where you can, when you can make little choices to do things different in one way or another, do what you can. Be mindful of how you use your money. If yeah. you know this is a business you don't fucking like, and if you know there's an alternative that costs a buck more, like, like is that what? What do you want? Like, you have to realize that you have some power in your dollar, so fucking use it. That you know, what I mean, like, and I get it if you're in a spot where you're, you know, financially, you know, not well off. You need that dollar less for that product from a business that, that isn't so great. Uh, you know, that, you know, like say it's like Amazon or some shit and you know, it does stuff you don't like, you know, I get it. You know, you got to do it. But if you're in a better situation, that's not the case and don't do that. Support other, support others that, so that they can actually be in a situation similar to yours. You know, it, it's really, I don't know that that's how you win instead of creating rifts over like, we need to do unlibertarian shit to somehow that's going to, that's going to magically make things better. Like, okay, whatever the fuck you say, like I, I think you're going to set a dangerous precedent and it's only going to, it's if you're, if your means don't, uh, don't corroborate with your ends. Uh, if you magically think, Oh, well I'll do means that, that don't match up with my ends, but somehow my ends will be, end up being different. Like what I want them to be like, that's not how that works. <laughs> like, you know? So, yeah. Well, I mean, I, okay. So I, I know you made a little hint there, um, at a debate that happened like in the last year or two, I think between, and it happened online. It was like between, uh, I guess the Hoppians or paleo libertarians and then the agorist. And I, I wasn't even saying something specifically. It's been a conversation. I know you're not as online, but it's a, it's a conversation that's been in multiple places where, yeah. Okay. And, yeah. And I, I actually like I, a lot of these people who were arguing to be like not consistent. They actually kind of in a weird way sort of are, if they just shift their, their principles a little bit. So it's like, if they just change their rhetoric, a tiny bit it would be like i just don't like the idea of being like oh we shouldn't be consistent with with principles because whatever it's like well if you're in that situation you probably should reconsider your principles like yeah it's like, you should have different principles like like all that like like if you're in a spot where your principles don't make sense if your principles don't work in real life application then they're not very good principles so no. like it's saying i should have no principles is silly like just maybe you just need different principles i don't know to tell you like or think yeah. of your principles in a different way i don't know so well yeah. going to like you know the agorist uh thing specifically you know i think agorism is a great idea and i actually like what conkin has to say i think the problem is and it's the same problem with hoppa i think hop is great and i love almost all the ideas he has to say is a lot of the followers of both men uh are idiots and they have not read them enough to really talk about uh what each other's beliefs would be because what's ironic is like uh you know and i i love these people but a lot of the people on my side like i consider myself a paleo libertarian would cuss most agorists and i don't really understand why um i i've for the life of me i've never been able to wrap my head around it because I think agorism works for the most part, but it's just, I think here's where the other side comes in. The agorists want to try and claim that they can take agorism to the highest degrees and that you have to be doing it here, there, and there, and there. And I get it. Being principled is great, but you, you even said it like, you know, you can't always stick to your principles. Now, what do you do? Do you get new principles or what? No, I don't think so. I think you have to do just what's best for you in that situation. 
Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because if we're going – because, like, I mean, I don't know if you did. I didn't, but I know plenty of people that hold the beliefs that me and you hold and still took the government stimulus, and I would think yeah. that is pretty well, – uh, you, you actually kind of just uh, – this is a point I was going to bring up a little bit later. I consider myself an egoist, so none of this breaks my principles. Okay. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't so, know. Okay, that's well. great because you know I'm not an egoist, but I'm glad you brought that up because earlier when I talked about Ayn Rand's, uh, you know, virtue selfishness and how I think as a as a culture in a country we should kind of have that for those respective entities. Going to egoism, if uh, looking at our culture relative to the rest of the world and everything like that, and our people, we should have ego, uh, in my opinion, as I understand it, egoist kind of ethics. I, in my, you know, I'm a chauvinist, I'm a Western chauvinist. I think my culture is better than almost ever, any other culture around the world, and I'm willing to say that. And I'm, but I'm also willing to let someone else believe that about themselves and defend uh their culture and all that just as much as i would and from at like i said as i understand it i think egoist uh uh values or whatever you want to say is the best way of going about that so i got you know break the uh, structure here what do you think of that because that was something i was actually pondering before we got on here tonight what's that specifically i'm sorry maybe rephrase that well that um you know, we have to have egoist type ethics uh, 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 for our culture and civilization uh, relative to every every other culture and civilization out there in that world. If we're willing or wanting to keep the civilization we have, not necessarily the government or power structure or hierarchies or anything like that, just the general culture and civilization we have. I mean, sure. I don't know. I, I guess. I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't know. I guess I haven't really thought deeply about it on that level, like uh, egoism at a higher level. And, and I guess it would kind of naturally have that effect where you would kind of have this uh, idea that yours is better. But really the whole idea of egoism is just like, it's basically less retarded objectivism. Uh, it's essentially that which serves you, um, which I'm fine with. I know a lot of people like trying to make selfishness a bad thing, but it's the same idea with the Ayn Randian thing. It was like, is it really? Like, I mean, at the end of the day, like everything like if, even if you are some crazy collectivist like even if you are trying your best to be this uh uh you can't even escape it and then like, egoism goes into that a lot too it's like uh and it kind of egoism is more about the idea of like accepting that this is true uh because no matter what you do you really in reality are an egoist or you know uh or you have or you're selfish because even if you are like well i'm gonna devote my life to charity i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that it's like Okay, but why? Like, I mean, if we do the why, is keep saying, well, why? Well, why? Well, why? It's always going to come down to some sort of thing that benefits you in some sort of way. Like, no one's genuinely doing these things because it doesn't in any way benefit them whatsoever. It's well, even yeah. if it's just a feel a good feeling, like, or you think this is what you need to do. Like, but the differences with like a you know like a rational self interest as, as Ayn Rand put it, or like egoism, it's more of an accepting of like, well, this is what's really going on, and then like, well, how can I make this make sense? And like, instead of trying to stop fighting it, have this weird internal conflict with yourself, like, and and like, you would think I'm some selfish asshole, but I, I really, I mean, I I don't really do like, I don't know, I I'm a normal guy in this normal life. I have a wife, I have kids. But these things I understand benefit me individually. Like I do, 
I love my wife not because I feel the the need to or some sort of duty, but because I want to love my wife. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like and I so <laughs> I get what you're saying. So going back to like having egoist ethics about you know our culture and geographically what is America or like my specific state, like Texas. I'm fucking proud to be a Texas or a Southerner. Um, I, I, I tend to have egoist beliefs, not of myself, although like you say, naturally it happens, but I, I straight up explicitly have uh, egoist ethics, beliefs, whatever you want to call it about my culture, my, where I'm from, uh, because I think that's the only way I can keep that fire going and keep everything alive and also convince others that are in my situation where I'm at of defending what we have and keeping it yeah. all together. And, yeah, you know, yeah, maybe yeah. not exactly. I, I, maybe, I, and maybe it's not all factually true and maybe it's not all. I think I get what you're getting at. And I, yeah. I get where, how that can apply to like an egoism type framework in a weird way. That's kind of what, uh, it's kind of the idea of like why secession is acceptable in some sense in, or the idea of like the further local down we go, like, like obviously like ideally you would like for egoism, it'd be like you, you are the center of the world in some way. You like everything, not center of the world, but you understand like you are doing things because they benefit you. But now if you bring that out, you're doing things because for your community, because they benefit your community, you're doing things for your state because they benefit your state, so on and so forth. And obviously the more localized you can create the phenomenon, the better. So ideally, yeah. Like if we could get everyone to have state pride and like you know, take this sort of magical pride in their state or even and then further down we get to the community ideally is the idea to get down to the further the smallest unit the individual but yes the, the, i mean i guess that would naturally that would benefit and uh, it kind of reminded me i uh, listened to uh, buck i was listening to buck johnson's uh, counterflow uh, show today and he had He's bob great. murphy on and they were talking about fucking uh, like secession in Texas, and specifically a topic. He was kind of going into the state pride that Texans had, and in some part of us as like us anarchists, I feel like that kind of like makes your stomach churn a little bit. But at the same time, you're like, but isn't that preferable to United States pride? Like they're kind of in some weird way moving the right way. The fact that all these people are so fucking proud to be Texans, yep. and that now they are in a weird way. Probably the best bet for, I don't, I don't I guess I don't want to put it that way, but uh, not necessarily the, the saving grace, but they are one of the best bets to create the template for what could be a positive move in this collapse. Because like Florida and Texas are probably the more, most likely to secede, Texas probably being the most likely. And once that happens, the dominoes start falling. And I think that's probably a good thing, honestly. So. And but that is in a weird way born out of their fucking state pride. Their their weird way kind of their statism in a certain kind of way, but it's a different kind. It's a more localized statism, which I guess in a weird way, if you want to, you know, just like with the monarchy idea uh, with Hoppe, you know, if like if every man's a king, you know, that's anarchy. It's the same idea, you know. If you bring your statism down to the most individual level, if you you're a state, then okay, whatever. I mean, that's kind of what egoism is. So yeah. you know. <laughs> Which I think that's that's the way to go about it because, I mean, not to be a gay liberal here, but there's something good to be taken out of every ideology that you can apply to your um, practical action that you want to take to make what you want happen. And, uh, you know, I guess 
some people would say that's a bit of a Machiavellian mindset. I don't know. I've never really read him much. That's just what I've been told. But I think that's just the best way of going about things if you really want to capture people's hearts, minds, and everything. Because, I mean, yeah, me and you or people like us might be like hyper-focused on one thing and really interested in something and wanting to go gung-ho about it. But that's just not the common person. So if you can have a wide scope of things and the common person is able to recognize that, they're going to be they're going to be hooked on you because they think they can learn a lot through you. And uh, I think what you were just pointing out there, egoism can help with that or just yeah. taking away from other things can help with that. Which uh, I mean, that kind of touches the next point of like what to do. And you kind of uh, put in the article, you were kind of in a weird way. I guess you weren't necessarily shitting on individualism, but I put I put in my notes. Individual centrism is what I put where this idea of let like we should be individual, but moderately individual. Whereas we just talk about egoism, which egoism is like radically individual is the concept. But then a weird way, when you apply that concept, it kind of doesn't, you're really doing what's like for me, having a normal life with, you know, and, and upholding the NAP and stuff like that in my head actually is what's to my benefit. Um, so it, in a weird way kind of works out, but you put like, I put individual centrism in there because it was kind of like, you're like, we don't need to be atomized individual, which I guess in weird way kind of plays to some stuff we were talking about earlier with like religion and stuff where I guess in a certain sense, maybe you're kind of right and that we shouldn't be pushing hyper individualism because it's more the idea that people wouldn't understand it. Cause I actually think hyper individualism, like an egoism sense actually is a rational worldview. At least my current belief is maybe I'll change my mind later, but I can, it's not really something that's easily digestible for the masses. So yeah. like it may be a little bit easier to be like, sell them on some sort of tribal mindset yes. or something and not yes. tribal in the sense of like, you know, your teammate. So I hate you more in the tribal yeah. sense of community. Uh, instead of being a atomized individual, you're working within a community, which I think that completely comports with egoism as well. Cause it's to my benefit to have a community. But once again, this is a hard thing to sell to normies. So yes. I think you may have a point. So we're kind of, I kind of want to go, we're both right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, the way I would have put what you said is that, you know, individualism is a great thing. And I, I want everyone in this world, no matter who they are, what they believe or, you know, what to have their individualism and do what they wish with it. The double, again, I like to use the term double edged sword. The other side of that sword is, so many people are ignorant to the fact that their choices and what they choose to do as a person or as an individual has societal or any other type of consequences. I mean, and when I say societal, I mean, like it has consequences on society. Now, I don't think, uh, you know, gay people should have their rights taken away, but I don't like seeing LGBT people. Uh, Q or whatever we should just shouldn't because... give them rights in the first place so <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey you might have a point but that's another podcast to talk about totally <laughs> joking i have plenty of gay <laughs> but i, you know, I don't myself. like seeing those parades i don't like seeing it normalized um because it, it it takes away from the value that is found in you know the the man and woman relationship but more than that, it normalizes just uh, hedonistic sexual behaviors that even straight people can have. 
I mean, look, uh, straight people may make out in public, but as a kid, I never saw two straight people like going at it uh, in parades or anything. But then, you know, I'm 13, 14 years old and I'm watching the news and I see uh, gay pride parades and I see like three dudes butt fucking each other dressed up as dogs going on a, a float in the middle of San Francisco. And uh, that's disturbing. That has an effect on you. That fucked me up for years. Like I said, it was weird. You know, it, like, I didn't know what to make of that. And so that kind of just goes throughout uh, with not just LGBTQ or whatever, but everything, everything. Whenever, you, whenever things are taken less seriously, society acts less seriously, and that creates serious problems. Yeah, you just kind of naturally did my segue for me into the next point where I put the note of spurn degeneracy, which is kind of the last point of like what to do. Yeah. Uh, and I actually 100% agree. I mean, I think the issue with something like degeneracy is it does become very subjective. And so you do need to be reasonable within that because my definition of degeneracy and your de definition of degeneracy might be different. And, yeah. you know, I'm not saying I am. Like, I actually maybe might characterize a little bit different. Like, I have no problem with the normalization of homosexual relationships, but I might have, I might put it more as I have an issue with a hyper normalization. Yeah. Where and, it, uh, you know, because I have no problem with being like, oh, yeah, that's Bob and Tim. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're, they're my gay neighbors. They're fucking yeah. cool. Like, I, I don't want to see Bob and Tim making out. Yeah. And I don't yeah. want to see, you know, well, Bob I don't even Tim. care if they kiss, but at the same time, I also don't want to see a straight couple making out. Yeah. No, exactly. Like, Exactly. Yeah, because it's like that's socially fucking weird. Like, yeah, no one does that. Like, I'm not like I get it. P like PDA, there are these like social norms with public displays of affection, and like, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I, I don't know. It's like where do you draw the line? Where's the social norms? But it's like this is what I'm saying with the hyper normalization. Like, if you saw, if I saw at the fucking uh, at Walmart uh, a fucking you know a young couple fucking just swapping tongues, like I'd be like what the fuck like that's well, yeah, just weird I mean, whereas it's like okay but, like you're in some senses it almost comes off like if you don't want to see that if you applied that same logic and it was two dudes that there'd be this like social stigma of like well why the fuck is this an issue and it's yeah. like and, and yeah. i wouldn't even care i uh, wouldn't even care if like if there were a gay couple holding hands or they had a hand around the waist even a peck on the lips just normal dis displays public displays of affection I don't get uncomfortable with that. I don't even really get comfortable like dudes making out. It's more just like, dude, dude that's kind of weird. Like, what do you yeah, do? Not even so, weird that you're gay. Just weird that like, 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 in, like <laughs> an example I'll use because most people would say, you know, what I just said was homophobic. Uh, it's not. And let me give you an example of why it's not. Sure. I don't want to see a dude wearing a dress. I don't want to see a dude wearing makeup and painting his nails and everything like that. But I don't want to see a woman wearing a short skirt with her ass hanging out uh, or like a see-through fucking shirt walking through Walmart either because that has just as the same effects. A little boy will see a man doing that, dressing like that, and think, oh, I can do that. And then they'll start, you know, mimicking that dude and they'll masculate themselves naturally just by their actions. And then a, a young woman... Or uh, we'll stick to a young woman first. A young woman might see a lady dressing like that, and then she'll think, oh, I should do that. And then she'll start dressing more slutty and acting more slutty, and that will have very negative consequences for her. Um, or a young man may see that and think, oh, boy, that's what women are like. That's the kind of woman I want. 
And then they're just going to get them involved in some trouble when they get older and they start to finally want to build relationships with women. They're going to go after hoes, not housewives. And we're seeing that more and more these days. We got, uh, you know, men my age specifically, they have they're never going to meet the woman of their dreams because they're they're They want hoes. They want hoes. And there's a reason they're unhappy. And that's because they won't find themselves a housewife. Yeah. Which I mean. I mean, maybe this might be backstepping a little bit. I have personally have no problem with, uh, I mean, when I was single, I was single. Let me tell you what. I mean, that was a short period of time because I've been married for a long time. No, but when no. I wasn't fucking around, I wasn't fucking around. Like, and uh, I also was dealing with, I could tell this is a different type of woman. And uh, there is something to that. Like, if you're a woman out there and if you're putting out on the first date or even maybe, maybe even like the second or something, it's like, you're you're kind of setting the tone like like so any guy worth his merit is probably going to be like yeah this most likely and i know i mean there might this is gonna be like if i ever become like big this will be one of the episodes they go back and be like look how fucking look at him like i don't give a shit like i'm sorry like i i didn't even try to sleep my with my wife on the first date because of the fact that i really 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 liked her and i was like that's gonna throw things off and she told me the same exact thing and I'm completely fucking an atheist. It's yeah. not even from a religious perspective. It's just a matter of like you're setting a tone for a relationship. It's just like I I don't know. There there, and this is even like I said once again completely coming from a secular worldview. I do think there is merit to all these things that like you know say with promiscuity. I I like even when I was religious as a kid, like I understood how in homosexuality is more prevalent for like uh, promiscuity, and I realized like okay, well yeah. That's probably bad, but I never understood from a religious perspective why homosexuality in and of itself was was bad. Yeah, I understood promiscuity, like yeah, like yeah, obviously it's bad. Like you know, the more sexual partners you have, the more likely to have issues. You know, blah, blah blah. Like I mean, I'm not even saying you shouldn't ever be promiscuous or whatever, but there, there, it's like it's a balancing act. You know, well, like I, mean, I know religious people say otherwise, but. Most people will think just from what I'm saying on this episode that I must be like some kind of moral purist or, you know, good two shoes Christian. You know, I'm a Christian and I take my morals seriously and I take my principles seriously. But, you know, I have my vices and uh, I have things that I do that be considered degenerate. But uh, what I I make a point of keeping that private, though, and I make a point of keeping that behind closed doors and not uh, putting it out there where someone younger than me that maybe looks up to me would be influenced by me and then go out and do those things themselves. Um, Again, you know, individuals should be able to do as they want and, you know, do whatever you want. But we need to realize there are societal consequences for doing what you want. And if you're putting it out there, then others are just going to do it. So like, you know, I have no problem with uh, people being hoes and doing, you know, whatever they want to do sexually. I have a problem with them glorifying it. I have a problem with them putting it out there in the world like it's normal, like it's okay, like everyone should do it. Because that, that's not the truth. It's, that's never the truth of anything. Um, keep it behind closed doors. Like, yeah, that's I mean, the, if, if more adults did that, we'd have a more adult acting society. Yeah, and, and to kind of like uh, put it into the mind, and I'm not even saying this equates with some of the other things we mentioned, but like say you had a friend who had a heroin addiction. I'm not even saying like homosexuality is the same as a heroin addiction, but the yeah, idea of something that you you interpret as a negative thing, you know, something that's not, you know, and even like say like it's homosexuality. So you had a friend who was like, 
you know, insanely promiscuous in, in, in like homosexual. Like he was like, yeah, I, I had sex with like three different people last night. And that's a regular occurrence. You'd be like, you might, instead of being like, oh, cool, dude, you might want to be like, hey, man, like, do you want to talk? Like, like, we shouldn't be incentivizing these damaging behaviors. And I'm not saying like that in specific because like I even said earlier, I have no problem with that. I actually was getting at how the hyper normalization where it almost seems like with certain, you know, LGBT, whatever the fuck, certain certain classifications seem to get this extra purview to be able to have this weird thing of uh, things that are like beyond what is even considered normal for what is the generic relationship. Because I kind of equated to like PDA. Like you have like the gay parade, like you brought up that earlier. Like we don't have a straight parade. Not that and I don't even want one. It's just the whole yeah. point of the like, okay, like, why? Like, I, I and I get it in a sense, but I, I, in another sense, I do get the issue of that, like, that that wouldn't that's not a normal behavior at all. Like, there are certain like societal norms that like we don't do that. Even with something like PDA, like you, like it's weird to be the straight couple making out in a fucking public place. It just is. There's a reason why as a kid, you try to slink off to some private place because people are like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that's not normal behavior in public. <laughs> like, so yeah. like, don't do that here. Like go somewhere else. And it, I don't know. The same idea applies kind of. And I'm not even saying that they're like gay people making out all over the fucking place in Walmart or some shit. I, I was just using that as an example to provide of that, like this hyper normalization of, how it's looked at a little bit differently. And the, the same, there are some norms that apply to, you know, straight people as well. That's why I don't like putting this like homosexual or heterosexual. Like, I mean, it really is if I had a straight friend who was, you know, having an insane amount of sex, I mean, as a dude, you know, whatever, called a double standard, I don't give a shit. It's a little bit different for a dude. But if I had a friend who was a girl who was getting railed out by different dudes every fucking other night, I'd be like, hey, uh, you want to talk? Like, yeah. <laughs> like uh, I don't think this is uh, working out well for you. <laughs> like, I think you're going down a weird, dark road. <laughs> like, it's the same idea. Like, say, with, like, heroin or something. Like, I, I mean, there are certain things that qualify as degenerate behavior, and, you know, you may have different – we may have different subjective opinions on what's degenerate and what's not, but generally yeah. – damaging be behavior that's going to be damaging to their well-being which will inf infect the society like you shouldn't be you know glorifying certain things is what i'm getting at so yeah, yeah. I, i've kind of gone on for a lot for that one but i'm yeah. really trying to make sure no one thinks i'm a, a homo hater in here <laughs> <You're good. laughs> yeah if you ever um, disavow me i understand yeah i disavow everyone <laughs> there's only me i'm an egoist so um yeah, I think we're in a good place. Um, you you want to go ahead and uh, drop your plugs, or if you got anything else to add, let me know. Because um, yeah, I think we covered everything. I do want to touch. Thing... Someone said someone put solipsism gang in there. I do think solipsism is like my pet favorite ideology. For those who don't know what solipsism is, it's the the idea of that. It's like the brain in the vat idea. Uh, it's 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 what like theists typically make fun of atheists because we're like we kind of make the claim of like, we don't know that there's a God and like, well, you don't really know anything because you're basing this off your senses and your set. Maybe your senses are just some fucking bullshit. Like maybe there's a brain in the vat and these are, you know, these are artificial feelings. And it's like, once you get to be up behind like the presupposition of senses, you get into weird areas and that's where solipsism comes in. And it's just kind of, it's funny because it isn't a weird kind of way, the most consistent, but it's also the most retarded. <laughs> So, but go on, my bad. 
<laughs> no, I mean, you're good, man. Like, uh, there's definitely, ah, there's definitely more things I want to talk about. Like, uh, we didn't get into like deflation or anything, but that's fine. Oh not... shit. Yeah. I mean, oh, I do want to touch that real quick. quick. Cause that's topical. I don't yeah, know go how it, I, go, I, I meant to it. bring it up, but I didn't find a natural place to bring it up. And I think I also forgot about it at some point, you're good, but man. yeah, no Evergrande in China. Uh, I forget whether like the, their major mortgage company or some shit, which, uh, it controls a major portion of their shit. I might be talking about, I'm talking about my asshole. I just know they're a huge thing. And I'm mostly taking my homie Clint, uh, Clint's word, uh, of Liberty lockdown, uh, about like Evergrande and the importance of the Chinese co- economy that how it hinges on that. And they just defaulted today. And like, so, and this has been a thing that I know Pete, can you know, touched on his episode with, when he was on Tim cast and stuff, uh, one with Tim pool and how the China's is actually really a fucking house of cards. And there is a good chance. I mean, there's multiple ways this can play out, but there's a small chance that this could be the beginning of the end for China. And what that most likely spells out for us in the United States is they're going to start adopting our dollar because their dollar is failing and, you know, all that shit. And so with that, we're probably actually, there's a good chance we might see a big deflationary pressure on us which is, you know, once again, we've said double-edged sword. Um, for people like me and you and, like, probably you guys listening, it's great in some senses because it's, whew, okay, but make sure not to back off because that it, 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 it's the boom-bust cycle. Like, we, here's our boom. We, we Something came in in the nick of time and kind of brought us another boom, uh, maybe. And so this may buy us more time, but all that means is it gives you more time to get ready. That doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to slack off. You need to be having the same exact thoughts you've been having throughout this time, assuming you've been someone who's been taking this shit seriously. Because all this means is it's probably going to happen later and worse. Because, <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, <laughs> go Which, ahead. I mean, yes, you're exactly right. It will happen later and worse, but that's kind of a good thing. Because yeah. uh, deflationary periods give us uh, more purchasing power for our dollar. Now, anyone who knows economics understands that, but, um, you know, just take my word for it if you don't understand it right now. I'm a little too uh, on the drinky poo to understand it exactly, but I mean, to explain it exactly. But, um, yeah, I mean, it gives us more time to prepare for a crash, like you said, and that's because of the purchasing power added to our dollar. Specifically, I would say the best way um, to make sure once that deflationary period is up that you're coming out on top is make investments in gold and silver earlier in this book. I mean, earlier in this book, earlier in this podcast, I talked about a, a book, uh, the new great depression by Jim Rickards. Well, in that book, Rickards makes a prediction that gold will be up around $14,500. And I think 2024, now that's big. Um, gold, uh, to my knowledge has never really been that high for a long amount of a uh, long amount of time, if at all. Um, there's and, also um, lots know, of talk of uh, interference in the gold and silver markets. And that's one of the reasons. I mean, I'm talking to my ass a little bit here. I'm not super into these weeds and this shit. But I know the gold and silver markets are known for having a lot of tampering, a lot of you know, you know, know, money, people playing games to not – because they know that if it's high, it reflects poorly in the dollar. But crypto has been actually a much better marker for the health of the dollar as of late because they're not able to tamper with it in certain ways um in the same way they are able to with you know gold and silver stocks and shit like that so 
Uh, and it's not See, to offend some of the gold and silver guys. You, you guys probably have the better currency in some regards. It's just a matter of that people aren't able to interfere with those markets as much because the crypto markets are borderline uninterferable aside from people being like crazy whales buying insane amounts and like selling so and shit like that. My, but my, see, cause I don't know crypto as well. I don't either. To, and to, I don't to have, be, to, I yeah. don't have too big of an opposition to crypto. My only worry about it is like, not everyone is a uh, technology, technologically in tune to be yeah. able to work something like crypto in my opinion. My, my only my only point was that crypto as of late is a better metric for the health of the dollar than the no, the and I, of it. Well, yeah. no, you're right there. And I'm not saying like we use gold and silver as a metric for the health of the dollar. Yeah. I know I a lot of people do, it, though. Yeah. Yeah. I say we use it as an investment or. If we buy gold now, like you can get a I think it's a one ounce coin for one thousand nine hundred right now. It could mm -hmm. be a little higher than what it actually is. But if you bought that now and then you uh, say in say records is correct in twenty twenty four, it is at fourteen thousand five hundred bucks yeah. an ounce was I, I think that was his prediction. That's a hell of a profit, you know, mm -hmm. um, and whenever deflation really hits, who knows? Gold may be even cheaper. And maybe, you know, we you can make an even bigger profit once 2024 comes around. Yeah. But that's why, you know, I don't know crypto that much, but I'd, I'd love to have, I'd love to talk to someone sometime on a show or whatever and learn more about that, debate about it, whatever. But I know a bit about gold and silver. I'm not an expert or anything, but I love gold and silver and I invest in silver myself and I'm stacking silver to get gold. Um, and I think historically gold and silver has fared well, whereas we don't have the history to show us how crypto will fare in the collapse of an empire, not taking yeah. away from crypto. I think it's great. And I encourage people to invest in crypto, but I also uh, encourage you to diversify your investments and cause you never know what could happen. Yeah. My only point was bringing that up earlier was that it, so far as a metric of the dollar, uh, cause I do, which, you know, honestly, like the more they tamper the market, the more they would actually create a boom of the value in a collapse because they wouldn't be able to tamper it with it anymore at a certain point. So uh, I, I definitely think gold and silver and crypto are probably good ways to go. Oh, yeah. uh, my only point was that if you're trying to look at it like a metric for how the dollar is doing, because a lot of people will point to like silver and gold and be like, well, they haven't raised that much, you know, in value. So I don't know, maybe the dollar is doing all right. And you're like, well, okay, but there's a whole lot of tampering going on in those markets. If we had a true, you're able to show a true value, you know, like if there wasn't all that hampering and stuff, like it'd probably be a lot higher. Uh, but they don't have that luxury. The, the the powers that be don't have that luxury to tamper with crypto because it's so fucking decentralized that they can't really play games with the costs and stuff uh, to like, because it kind of, those kind of send signals to the market, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, crypto kind of busts through in that regard. Uh, God, what was I going to say? I had another point, um, on the deflationary. Oh yeah. Uh, just so you guys know, I was talking to Clint today, uh, anyway, because he, Clint and liberal and he was mentioning, he brought up that he was like, if this is what it, it very well may be the beginning of the end, it could easily, you know, assuming, you know, that they just let it collapse or whatever, and they shift the fiat that could easily be a 30 years boom because it's a huge economy that's, you know, changing its ways. Um, and I mean, obviously, it was just a number he pulled out of his ass. 
but that got me thinking i was like yeah well that wouldn't really be 30 years because if we had this much of a deflationary pressure it would just make us spend and spend that much more um i know a lot of people don't realize the uh the great depression was preceded by the roaring 20s so and a lot of that was from inflation and so they were high on the their fucking horse and then they the, the higher the boom the lower the bust so my point being is if we have this huge deflationary pressure it's just going to send signals to the fed to do what they're doing even more it also sends signal to the everyday person that like hey look we spent a fuckload of money the past couple of years but Woohoo, we're fine. Look, you know, modern monetary theory, you know, whether subconsciously or, you know, consciously, it kind of sends a signal of like, look, it worked. It's fine. We're good. And so a lot of people, unless they really have a strong grip of, grip of economics, are going to get lured deeper into the other way, the wrong way of thinking. And like, they're going to get caught even more off guard and they're going to be even more primed for compliance in the future. Because uh, we kind of had. You know, obviously, we were all very surprised with how compliant the American people were during the lockdowns and all this shit, even now with the mandates and stuff like that. Imagine now, 10 years from now, because the normal boom bust cycle is like 8 to 12 years. There's a, there's a boom or there's another bust. Um, but imagine another 10 years. Uh, we know after the, we've, they've, people have gotten the lesson of like, oh, we can do all this crazy shit and it's not that big of a deal. You know, look, we, you know, if anything, we're, our economy stronger. And that's going to be the message. And then we're going to be going into that next boom with that in mind. And whatever crazy tricks they try to pull that fucking time, people are going to be more, more likely to buy in. So if anything, that should strengthen your resolve. If we do get this sort of double-edged sword blessing of a deflationary pressure from, from China collapsing, uh, if anything, that should strengthen your resolve more. Yes, you have more time, but it's even more imperative now. If yep. that makes sense. So, I mean, now is a crucial period. I've been telling people for years, you know, like we've been saying throughout this podcast, the new world order exists. It's been around in our history, but this last year of the lockdowns and everything is one of their really first big worldwide steps towards manifesting it and making it actually happen. So people, we need to pay attention and we need to do something about the threat that's out there. Um, I can tell you're getting tired, so we can go ahead and wrap up. Uh, do you want me to do my plugs first? Yeah, go ahead and do your plugs, man. All right. Well, first, I want to say, dude, thank you for having me on. Uh, anyone else who wants me to come on their show, I would love to come on. You can hit me up at uh, StratiD on Twitter, um, at societal underscore scope on Instagram, and then Stratton James Davis on Facebook. Uh, you can read all my articles online. Uh, most of them are published with the Mises Caucus. There's some published on uh, Attack the System, websites like that. But other than that, I don't have any other plugs. I uh, hope to come back on to your show, Jose. I had a lot of fun tonight talking to you. Yeah, no, it's fun. I'm sure we'll have you on again at some point. Um, yeah, as always, I'm the No Way Jose Show. I'm on uh, the No Way Jose YouTube channel. I'm all the major, major audio podcatchers as well. I'm on Odyssey. Please go follow me on Odyssey. I'm on Twitter at Galley San Jose. Uh, like I said earlier, I like money, so give me some at patreon.com. Just no way, Jose 2020. I went over a lot of the perks earlier. I'm going to try to change shit up. I want to get I want to get to the point where these live streams are only for patrons, but my the lowest is a two bucks, so that's nothing. So you guys want to do patreon.com, just no way, Jose 2020. You go on there, you do the lowest one, you'll get that. Uh, like, share, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. Uh, 
And with that, we're out. You can stick around. We can shoot the shit for a minute after, but I'm going to go ahead and end the broadcast now. Thanks, everyone, for coming. Sweet. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.